the Kings win their fifth straight game and improve to 2-0 in the NBA in-season tournament. And Fox continues to be absolutely dominant this season. He's averaging around 32 points per game over the six games he's played. The Kings are 5-1 in the games that he plays. And Fox is leading the league in fourth quarter points, as you would expect from the reigning clutch player of the year. This game had all of the makings to be a trap game against a bad team in the Spurs who had lost six straight coming in. They were are without Trey Jones, so they don't have a point guard. They're running Jeremy Sohan at the point guard spot, and they are without probably their best player. You know, I mean, Wemby's there, but probably their best player in Devin Vassell. Keldon Johnson is just coming back from injury. They're already 0-2 in the in-season tournament. The Kings writing a four-game win streak. Everything, everybody's feeling good. Our stars are playing well. You know, everything's going great. And you think, you know, this, this is the game we're going to lose. And the Spurs came out with energy, like I kind of expected for, you know, that's kind of how a trap game is, right? The other team comes out just with more energy than the favored team. And they got off to an early 18-point lead. And then the Kings bench came in and was able to salvage that and make it a two-point game by the end of the first quarter. And at one point, the Kings had the lead 33-31. to So pretty impressive recovery from being down 18 in the first quarter to being up 33-31 to early in the second quarter. I suspected that we were going to have Barnes guard Wemby, but I didn't love it. Uh, especially early, you could see why. And it just has to do with Wemby being super mobile and Barnes not being super mobile. There was a point where Barnes didn't dive on the ground for a loose ball. He just looks like a, a super old man out there. And that allowed Wemby to eventually get a dunk. And Wemby had like six points just from easy buckets, either losing Barnes or off of loose balls that the Kings didn't pick up or off of offensive rebounds, and that's how the Spurs are going to score. They don't have a point guard. Their offense probably isn't going to be great in the half court, right? And it it was actually, you know, it, the Kings' defense was pretty bad in this game, to be honest, and so they let the Spurs score 120 points, but really where the Spurs were killing us was in transition and off of offensive rebounds. The offensive rebounding battle in the first half was pretty tight, but the Kings had zero second chance points and the Spurs had something like 14. And so it was just guys looking slow. Herter was getting caught out a lot on back cuts. There just was not a lot of energy. Guys weren't rebounding. And then finally, the Kings were able to settle in. And the Spurs were making their threes. Kings we're getting solid three-point looks, just not knocking him down. So I kind of knew things would settle down at some point. But it was just a matter of could the Kings string together stops, and they were able to buckle down and get stops. And then Monk came in, hit two threes to kind of jolt the offense. I liked the Keegan-Murray matchup on Wemby better than the Harrison Barnes matchup. I think Barnes only played like six minutes in the first half, something like that. He definitely didn't play a lot, 
And I think a lot of it had to do with just the one play of him not diving on the ground to get the ball because Mike Brown hates that. And so he didn't play a lot. Herter's rebounding was bad, so he didn't play a lot in this game. They had 26 minutes for Barnes, 25 minutes for Herter. And I think that's just a reflection of the rebounding and the not diving for loose balls, not playing heads-up defense, just getting back cut all the time. And so the bench came in and provided energy, and it was Monk hitting two threes, Sasha hit a three, and then Monk uh, took two heat checks. Like, when you come in, splash your first two threes, you're allowed to take, like, a a semi-contested one as the heat check, right? And he did that, and it's like, okay, that's fine. And, And Katie called that on the broadcast that he was going to do that and then he takes another one it's like you're not allowed to do that you're not allowed two heat checks not after you miss the first heat check right that's just against the rules of basketball come on we all know this you don't get one heat check per made three like that's not how it works but Monk came in and he was really good other than passing the ball to Zach Collins a few times which was really annoying um, Zach Collins was kind of jumping the passing lane on Sabonis and Monk was just lazy with those passes a few times that pissed me off kind of the Malik Monk experience he's going to be kind of casual with the ball sometimes but it's okay it actually only resulted in one turnover even though it happened many times we were able to recover the ball but other than that he was really good and just provided the offense that we needed I think he had seven assists in the first half, ended with eight on the game. He's averaging somewhere between five and a half and six assists per game. And that's on around 25 minutes per game. Like he has been really good distributing the basketball and less turnovers in this game than the last one. JaVale came in and gave solid minutes as well. Duarte came in, hit a couple threes, which was a welcome sight because he's been missing his threes. So the bench gave a bit of a jolt. But then the Spurs came back into it, and it was a lot of that bench lineup then turning the ball over. And it felt like the Kings had more turnovers in this game than they did. They only had 13. felt like more, but that allowed the Spurs to go on a run. And it was very much a game of runs and, and big runs. The Kings let the Spurs go on like three big runs. That initial one, one in the second quarter, and one in the third quarter. The Kings had a big lead in the second, gave it up. A big lead in the third, gave it up. And it was just a game where we needed our stars to bail us out. And it really reminded me of a game last season. I think that was in San Antonio. It was definitely against San Antonio. And it was just a game where Sabonis and Fox put the team on their back and just won us the game in a game that we should win against a team that we should win against. But this is the NBA. Any team can win on every, any given night. So sometimes when you have three out of your five starters, you know you have your three guys in the starting lineup that aren't your stars, that can't really hit shots and aren't playing super well. It's a star-driven league. Sometimes you need your stars to just step up and win you the game. And I feel like that's what happened in this one. You know, The bench had that good jolt at one point. But other than that, it was all Fox and Sabonis. It was similar to last game in their play, except last game there were other guys playing well as well, right? You had Herter playing well. Herter kind of instead of Monk in this game, they kind of swapped. and But you had just more guys playing well. 
defensively in that one against the Lakers. And so that's why we had a bigger lead. But in this one, it was a lot worse defensively and it required our two main guys to carry this offense. Fox was knocking down his threes. And when he's knocking down his threes, that is scary. He went five for 11 from three, 14 for 24 from the field, 43 points, seven assists, eight rebounds, only one turnover. Sabonis, 27 points, seven assists, 14 boards. He hit two of his three threes. He was kind of working inside out, got himself going inside early, and then was knocking down the jump shots, which was really nice to see. And he went seven for eight from the free throw line, which is big because he's been struggling there this season. Fox went 10 for 13 from the free throw line, and the only other guy to attempt a free throw was Barnes at two for three from the line. And those two free uh, or two trips to the line for Barnes all came early in the fourth. And those were actually big moments. So that was that was Barnes's contribution to this game. You know, I don't think he played particularly well, but when he got Victor Wembanyama on him early in that fourth, he attacked, got to the line a couple times, got an and one. And I would love to see more of that from him because last season he drew so many fouls, went to the foul line so many times, and we just haven't seen that a lot this season. So I would love to see that more. Herter and Keegan couldn't buy a bucket. Keegan's really only had one game, I think, this season where he shot well from three. He airballed one in this game, went 0 for 4. But again, he was playing really good defense. And so it's just weird how in just last season, he was an amazing offensive player and a horrible defender. And this season, he's been really bad offensively, just can't find his shot. You know, at times he's uh, worked inside the three-point line, which is encouraging but he hasn't been able to hit his threes, but he's just been a lockdown defender. It's just, it's so odd. But I thought he had a really solid game. And, you know, I don't want to lump him in there with Barnes and Herter defensively, right? Uh, they all three struggled offensively, but Keegan was given it as all defensively and, and was really good. There's a point in that second quarter, and it was when the Spurs went on their run, and it was because the Spurs went to a zone, and that uh, that definitely tripped the Kings up for, for a few possessions. And then they were kind of able to figure it out. And the way that they figured it out was Sabonis just gets the ball at like the free throw line, and then he just backs down whoever is guarding him. Because no one on the Spurs can guard him in the post. doesn't matter if it's Zach Collins. He's going to just post him. And I loved the aggressiveness from Sabonis in this game. He was in foul trouble, had five fouls. Don't think he deserved many of those fouls, especially not the charge call, which they reviewed. That was a horrible call. I thought he did a really good job staying vertical. I just, yeah, I don't think he earned those fouls. I thought he was playing really well on both ends of the ball. I mean, of the court, not the ball. That's not the saying. Both ends of the court. And he, what I really loved was a lot of times he'll having a good game offensively and then the fourth quarter comes around and he's just like here you go fox you you do it right and i get it right he's talked about it the fourth quarter is fox's time but you, you can't rely on him for every single possession of the fourth like that's fine in the last two minutes maybe but i think sabonis i mean he's been so aggressive in these last five wins 
And that's a huge part of why we're winning. And he continued to do that in the fourth quarter. It didn't matter that he had five fouls. He was going straight at Zach Collins, and he got Zach Collins to get five fouls. I really loved the uh, the little screens that they were setting for him in the post. I know Herter set one. Someone else set one as well. That just allows Sabonis a little more room to operate and a smaller defender on him. And Sabonis is a great decision maker. So even though there's a bit of a crowd there, he was making really good decisions with the ball. And so that's just something we don't see from him enough, is scoring the ball late in the fourth quarter. Fox did his thing in the fourth, no doubt, and helped us win the game, helped us pull away, because you know that was something I was hoping, right? It, it's, it's close, but we should be able to pull away once it gets to crunch time against a young team, a young, inexperienced team, when we have De'Aaron Fox on our team, who is hitting his shots. And I'm glad Fox didn't settle from three too much late. Because even though he had it going from three, when it gets to that fourth quarter, no one can stop his floater. No one can stop him from getting to the rim. And he was really showing that. And then had that big steal to win the game. So just a dominant performance from him in the fourth quarter. Almost had his career high in points. I think his career high is 44. He had 43. You know, every game can be tough in the NBA. I was kind of hoping that even though this felt like a trap game, maybe because it's an in-season tournament game, the Kings will show up a little more and impossible to know if that's the reason that you know we won this game. But De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis showed that why they are all NBA players. And De'Aaron Fox, especially with his 43 points, showed why he's starting to get that, you know, superstar MVP type buzz early in the season. And he carried this team to a win, him and Savonis, on the road in, I mean, I don't want to say a must win for the in-season tournament. I think that's what Monk said, right? But it kind of feels like every game's a must win. This one, not so much because the Spurs are at the bottom of the standings and we have yet to play the one team that's undefeated. So like, you could say it's it's technically not, but... Every game in the in-season tournament is big, and I I like that Mike Brown is taking it seriously. Monk seemed to uh, to say that Mike Brown was telling them that it was a must-win, which I think is cool. Also, at the end of the game, it was funny when the Kings, because point differential matters, they're trying to score. They miss, so then the Spurs go down and score, and it's like, well, that kind of backfired. But then the Kings... The Spurs stopped trying, so the Kings just go back down and get a wide-open layup. And that was really funny to me. And that's kind of what I thought the Thunder would do last game when we were you know, running out the clock, and I thought they would switch off so we could get an open layup. But they actually played defense. The Spurs, though, they did not play defense. And I don't know if it's because they switched off and forgot point differential matter- matters, or if it's because they're just going 0-3, so they're going to be eliminated anyways and it doesn't matter that's very possible Victor Wembanyama had a uh, 27 point game in this one and the thing is when he was out there the Kings were winning those minutes Victor Wembanyama like I was noticing it as the game was happening I'm like they are losing the Wembanyama minutes and they are winning the non-Wembanyama minutes and uh but it isn't until now that I looked at the plus minus. He was a minus 31. 
And that is with him being on the court when the Spurs went on their big first quarter run, run and off the court when the Kings went on their burst, big first quarter run. Man, I can't talk today. So that's wild. I think the Kings did a really good job of punishing Wembenyama inside a few times. Fox just took it straight into his body and either drew a foul or, or finished or both. And then defensively, I think they only got caught out in transition one time by him. And they did a pretty good job of just bodying him up and then contesting the shot. And that's all you can do is just not overcommit. And just try to stay into his body and make him uncomfortable so he'll miss the shot. And I thought they did that pretty well. There were definitely a few times, like early in this game, they were giving him easy buckets. But later they were forcing him into a lot tougher buckets. There were, you know, a few plays where it's like, how did he make that shot? Or how did he get to that? But not as many as there could have been. So I think the Kings did a pretty good job of limiting him. Even if he had 27 points, I don't think it was... It was that impactful, and they were punishing him. They, they didn't allow him to be a presence defensively at all. He didn't even have a single block in this game. They were doing a really good job of avoiding him around the rim. They weren't scared of him. They were going right into him and neutralizing him, but then they weren't taking poor shots with that he could block, and they were very decisive, I thought, around the rim, so I think that helped. There have been, you know, rookies in the past or guys come in who come into the NBA right away and are, are just as good as Wemby as making just as big of an impact. But with Wemby, it's just like you have to play in an entirely different way against him. And, and that's what makes him so different, right? It's right now he may, you know, he may be just as good as maybe Paolo was coming in. Or maybe he's better or worse. You know, I don't know. But it's about him kind of changing the whole way that the other team has to attack him and defend him. Like, you have to play so differently around the rim on offense to avoid him. Yeah, you can't take jump shots that you normally could that he could block. And uh, on the other end, you know, you have to get out to a 7-4 guy and contest his shot. And uh, you have to make sure he can't get around the rim. He's definitely a rookie, though. Made some rookie mistakes, especially in the fourth quarter. Barnes got him on a pump fake. Sabonis got him on a pump fake. It's just like, why are you jumping? You're 7'4 with a massive wingspan. No point to jump, especially against Sabonis. And Sabonis just took him off the dribble and dunked. And that's definitely a rookie move. So that was really nice for a nice move from Sabonis. It would definitely be nice for the Kings to have a bigger wing to throw at. Uh, Wemby that isn't Harrison Barnes, but uh, I still thought it was solid. What I didn't like defensively was just Barnes was not fighting over screens very much. And then he did finally one time and he drew a moving screen. I'm like, yes, that is why you fight over screens. And then, you know, the one before that where he went under twice against Keldon Johnson and then uh, Keldon hit a three. And then there's Kevin Herter just getting caught ball watching, getting back cut, or just, I mean, he was ball watching a lot, even around the rim, letting his guy just get an open pass into the dunker spot. But I, they, they settled down enough in the fourth quarter, and I think Mike Brown had enough trust in his starting five 
to get it together defensively because they have shown this season they are a better defensive team, especially the starting five. And Barnes was getting deflections. So was Herter. The second half was a lot better. And when it came down to it, the starting five was in the game in clutch time and they were able to get stops and pull it out. So sometimes it's not going to be super pretty. I said that after the Portland game, and same applies here. Just get the win. But man, if Fox can really continue to shoot the three as well as he has been early in this season, he is just, he's unstoppable, really. He can score in every way. If he can score from three, he can score catch-and-shoot three. He can score off the dribble. He can score from anywhere in the mid-range. He is a beautiful floater, is possibly the best finishing guard in NBA history. Like, the numbers show that. And for some reason, the uh, the talk about the Halliburton-Sabonis trade got, like, reignited in the past few days. People talking about the Kings did actually lose, which is like, we're winning right now. Uh, how did this start getting talked about again but it's just from Halliburton playing well which is great it's funny because it always comes from people who are not Kings fans or Pacers fans like we don't care about how each other's teams are doing like I mean I don't know about Pacers fans but I know a lot of Kings fans are cheering for Halliburton and it's probably the same the other way and there's talk about Kings traded the wrong point guard and I'm like how could you say that look at what Fox is doing it's insane even if you think Halliburton is like just as good, like an elite point guard, look at what Fox is doing. It's, it's insane. There's no way you could say that we should have traded Fox. Zero way. Plus, at the time, Halliburton had more trade value, so we could get into that. But I don't really want to rehash the trade. It's stupid because both teams won it, so let's move on. But I just had to say that because how could you say that the Kings traded the wrong point guard. It, Fox has just been playing out of his mind lately. And I think, you know, he played amazing last season, got his all-NBA respect, was a first-time all-star. And then now he's proving to... He doesn't have to prove it to me or Kings fans, but he had, he had to prove it to other people who were probably skeptical that he's a, you know, a one-hit wonder, a one-season wonder which is obviously not the case. I do have one more guy that I haven't touched on, which is Keon Ellis. He, 10 minutes, uh, one for one from the field, two assists, steal, turnover. I don't love his offensive decision-making. Like, there's a point where he had JaVale McGee. If he takes one more dribble towards the basket, he has JaVale McGee wide open for a lob in transition, and instead he passes it out for a three. You know, I don't love that. Although a lot of guys kind of do that, taking threes in transition when you could get a wide open dunk, and it's just stupid. But there are just other times where I, I just don't think his offensive decision making is great. But I don't think he necessarily hurt us offensively. And so he just had a you know a fine game. Pretty neutral on, on this game from him. I really feel like at some point, Keon is going to come into a game get blown by offensively a couple times, turn the ball over a few times, and then Davion's going to get his shot. I, like, at some point in this season, that's probably going to happen, just because, you know, everyone has a bad game. And it, it 
could be Davion that gets that shot, or they could just take Keon out and then just play a shorter rotation. But I feel like at some point, Davion's going to get his shot. And I'm just really hoping that he can make an impact when he does get his shot and that he stays ready. There have, there's been, you know, a lot of trade chatter. I am going to make a video talking about trade targets for the Kings. There's been Zach Levine talk. There's been Alex Caruso talk, which would probably involve Davion Mitchell. A lot of the trades would probably involve Davion Mitchell at this point. And so honestly, for his own sake, I hope he goes out there and either earns his spot back or increases his trade value just so he can go to another team and get a shot if that's what has to happen. And then a couple more thoughts on this game. Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herter have horrible chemistry defensively, if that's a thing. I mean, it definitely is a thing. I just feel like that's not what people call it. But they they seem to always miscommunicate or not communicate. I don't know which one. And always mess up switches or things like that. That's just something I've noticed throughout the whole season. And then also Keegan late in this game seemed hesitant. Like, it seemed like he lost confidence a little bit. And it wasn't from three, but it was just a moment where he dribbled into the mid-range, had a wide-open mid-range shot, and passed it up. And it it forced the Kings to have to take a bad shot. And so I don't like to see that. You know, you, you want him to keep shooting, especially when he's wide open, because he will absolutely find his shot. And he hasn't been bad from inside the three-point line this season. It's really just been behind the three-point line where he struggled. The Kings now move on to Dallas, who have been playing really well as of late. Uh, and then the next in-season tournament game is the fourth game from now, which is against Minnesota, who are tied for first with us. We have the um, tiebreaker right now because we have a six-point better uh, point differential than them. But that'll be the big game to probably decide who gets first in the group. I don't know what happens in the case of a tie, actually. I know point differential is a tie, but I don't know if head-to-head is also a tiebreaker. Maybe before it, I'm actually not sure. But either way, that's a big game, obviously, for the in-season tournament. But this next game against Dallas, Dallas has been playing super well they kind of revamped their roster to fit better i guess around uh, Kyrie and Luca Luca has been playing like an MVP Grant Williams has come in and been solid Tim Hardaway slots into you know a better role for himself as a scorer off the bench Derek Jones Jr has been playing really well for them in the starting lineup and then their rookie Derek Lively is kind of the guy who has saved them because the center position has been a problem for them. JaVale McGee didn't work out. That's why they traded for, you know, Rashawn Holmes to give him a shot. Also getting, you know, the pick in that. But Derek Lively has been great for them as a lob threat and just doing everything that the team needs from him. So he's been really good. They are nine and one and three. Nine and three on the season. It'll be interesting to see what the matchups are, although I assume it's going to be Keegan on Luka. That's what I would guess. And then Fox on Kyrie. And then we have to see one of Barnes and Herter guard Derek Jones Jr. And that's just not good because athletically he outmatches them. But, you know, he's not a great offensive player, so hopefully that'll be fine. But, yeah, the real intrigue is definitely Keegan 
probably guarding Luca and to see how he does. So I'm excited for that. Anyways, that is it for this episode of the Roll Report. I will be back on Sunday night to recap that game against the Dallas Mavericks. Peace.